right, here we are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition. Yes. Ariane Smith. And Tiffany Hales. Real life sisters. Real life sisters, not just sisters in the gospel. That's right. We biologically share the same parents. That's right. So here we are for the month of November. Yes. I cannot believe it's November already. Time flies. Also, it is like full-blown holiday mode. Oh, really? Around here. Around everywhere. Well, it's been Christmas in Hobby Lobby since oh, like July. <laughs> but I feel like especially this uh-huh. year, and I don't know if it's with, you know, the rumors of like uh-huh. the shortages and the supply chain. Like every, like I was in Walmart today and they just were like full-blown Christmas music oh, yeah. there and there. Oh, just... I noticed that too. I was in there tonight picking up a prescription. I was like, is that Christmas music I hear? Everybody's all in this year. They're I like, guess so. It's all fun. in. <laughs> So, All right. anyway, so my stake is gearing up for Christmas season. Okay, so what are you guys doing for Christmas season? And you know, if you've listened to us before, you know we joke about my stake. Your stake is special. <laughs> and how they're so extra and they go like above and beyond and do big things, like really big things. <laughs> I'm just so, shaking my head. I am happy to report. Um, that this holiday season, and they've always done like a service project around the holiday times. Uh-huh. Um, usually it's like a one day thing. People come and you like donate items and you uh-huh. come to the stake center and like assemble things. Okay. And it's a big service thing, which is great. Well, this year they are going all in on the service, which I actually okay. really appreciate because I've always said like, sometimes I do get frustrated when my stake does these massive big things. And I think we should use our energy and resources in a better way. And I actually really feel like this is a very positive way to use that big energy. So what what are they doing for service? Do you know? Oh my gosh. There's so many things. So they're calling it, they're calling November the month of service, the month of giving. So this is not like a one-time event. This is like a whole month. There are a bazillion sign-up geniuses okay. going around. Um, we're helping with scouting for food, okay. which we also did last year. They okay. discovered with our local food bank that with the decrease in Boy Scouts, mm. which is significant here in Idaho, <laughs> yes, yes, they, it is. they decided we need to support scouting for food okay. in a big way or else our local food bank mm. suffers. So okay. we've been you know, scouring the neighborhood, handing out flyers and bags and collecting okay. food. And then um, they are collecting all kinds of items for refugees. Okay. Um, we have a lot of Afghanistan refugees that are starting to come into Boise. Okay. So they're heavily involved in that. They're heavily involved in having us help with the refugees. They're, oh. they're sending us all kinds of volunteer opportunities mm-hmm. through the International okay. Rescue Committee. Okay. Um, and... So all kinds of that. They're also collecting things for shelters and there's just like a whole slew. So there's basically something to fit everybody. Yes. So if you don't like this, you might like that. Yes. Oh, there's a big rake the town day this Saturday. Are they doing a blood drive? Yes, there's a blood drive. Okay. I do have to say, you remember how last month I talked about and I said, shouldn't we like be doing blood drives? The Boy Scouts used to do blood drives. Well, unbeknownst to me, my stake had a blood drive schedule oh, for that week. That's so funny. It was kind of funny. I was like, oh, I guess I missed that email. Oh, uh, yep. Yep. So, there's a blood drive. There's always a blood drive. So yeah, they're, they're putting their resources to get. Now they are also doing in December, the drive through nativity. Which they did for the first time last year. Okay. 
big deal, like live animals, yeah. a route. There was narration, like you could tune your car radio. Okay, yeah, to one of those a deals. Certain station, station and have narration, um, and drive through and see all the things. So they are still doing that. Okay, they're currently recruiting actors Ooh. to play people, and I'm sure that soon they'll be recruiting like parking flagger traffic directors. Well, you know, for so. those male parts, they should have been recruiting those actors a little sooner if they wanted them to have a real life beard. Well, you know, they could just save their beard for April when I'm sure they will do their living last supper again. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so you grow it now, you save it till April, you shave in May. So we should have- it is like no shave November. So you get right. a start on, you know, that's a right. no shave November. You, you could get multi-use out of that beard in my sake. Oh, very good. Bearded actors needed. Okay. <laughs> so well, what's going on with you? I am going to open with a rant tonight. Oh, a rant. Now- What do we I have am, a rant about? I am going to preface this with- this is a first world privileged problem. And I freely admit this is a first world privileged problem. But are you aware there is a garment shortage? No. Yes, there is a garment oh, shortage. Are you kidding me? I had not heard this. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised there's a shortage of literally everything exactly. right now. <laughs> exactly. So let me tell you about my travels and traverses in order to buy garments. So first of all, you have to understand a couple of things about me to appreciate how difficult and what a trial this is that I'm having with the garment <laughs> shortage. Okay, first of all, um, when, like when I replace my garments, I mm -hmm. replace all of them. I do not mix and match. I do not go, okay, my tops are in still good, good condition. I'll just replace the oh, bottoms. You do? I did not know that. Oh yeah. Like I am way too OCD to mix and match old and new. Like it, it, it all goes, all the old <laughs> goes and all the new comes in. I, I cannot mix and match that like messes with my mind. Oh, okay. That's so funny. So. With the new stretch cotton, uh -huh. probably like every, like about 18 to 20 months I'm replacing. So I had replaced right near, I can't remember if it was the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. It was somewhere right in there that uh -huh. I had replaced. So that's the first thing you need to understand. Second thing you need to understand is I only do laundry once a week. Um, and that's actually, I used to only do laundry like every two to three weeks before mm -hmm. I started wearing garments because I have a, an obscene amount of clothes, as mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Like I could go months without doing laundry. She really could. <laughs> if we're just talking clothing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, and so I only do laundry once a week and I do that laundry on Sunday. So when I buy garments, I buy 10 pairs because that gives me enough, you know, if I need to make it through a weekend. You have a cushion. I have, I have a small window cushion. Okay. okay. And so anyway, so my garments, I should say this is probably just TMI. The bottoms were getting hmm, a little bit worn out. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So I was like, okay, they are holy, but not in the way they're supposed to be holy. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to run into Deseret Book where our distribution center mm -hmm. is and grab me 10 tops and 10 bottoms. So I run into distribution center. My husband goes, oh, by the way, while you're there, pick me up some too. Okay. I was like, no problem. Because he does the same thing. It is out with the old, in with the new. And he always replaces his in the fall because they're really gross after working mm -hmm. in the heat and everything mm -hmm. in the summer because he's in construction. Okay. okay. 
So I run into Deseret Book, grab my little basket, you know, find first thing I find is my bottoms, boop, 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 10 of my bottoms in. Mm-hmm. I go to the tops. There's only two of my tops. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Right. I'm like, oh, they probably just had to run on them all. Ask the lady to get some in the back. Mm-hmm. So then I go and I find my husband's bottoms and I grab, you know, 10 of my husband's bottoms. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any tops for him. And I'm like, and it said out of stock. And I'm like, oh dear. So I I grab one of the workers and I said, mm-hmm. oh, you only have two of these bottoms on the shelf or two of these tops on the shelf. Can you check in the back and see if there's any more tops of mm-hmm. my tops? And she's like, sure. How many do you want? And I said, well, I need 10 total and I only have two. So I guess I need eight. And she said, oh, there's only a maximum you can buy of five. Mm. I was like, what? Oh, we have capped limits now? We have capped limits. <laughs> and I said to her, because I was so caught off guard, I said, oh, that's not going to work. I only do laundry once a week. <laughs> I was like, that is just not going to work. And she's like, well, I guess I can let you have seven. Oh. And I was like, but still, I'm thinking to myself, then I have to wash like every six days. I mean, I can't even imagine five. I would have to do laundry every four days. Five would be bad. First of all, I don't do laundry every four days. Mm-hmm. Second, every four days worth of laundry does not fill up the washing machine because that is another thing I am OCD about. I cannot do a load of laundry unless it is a full load of laundry. I'm really kind of an in-closet environmentalist. Really? Doesn't, yes. your, doesn't your machine have a setting for like no. a small load? I, even if it did, <laughs> it has to be a full load. I blame our mother for this, okay? <laughs> this is a remnant of my childhood. Anyway, so she lets me have the seven. So now I have seven bottoms and I have two tops for myself. I have seven bottoms for my husband and no tops. Oh, so I'm like, okay, well, it's a start. So then I go online and I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, it looks like online I can order. Okay. So I order, um, I order, but you, again, online will only let me do five. So I order, um, I did order five bottoms for myself online because that Mm -hmm. would actually put me up to 14, which is kind of where I wanted to be. I kind of wanted to up from the 10 to the 14. And I ordered five tops Mm -hmm. because that was the max I could have there. And I was able to order tops for my husband, but again, only in quantities of five. So you order... Mm-hmm. But then you don't necessarily get your shipment. Oh, really? So I got my tops and I got my husband's tops and I got my husband's bottoms, but I didn't get my remaining bottoms. My remaining bottoms are on back order. Oh, and they stuck on a boat? I have no They're stuck on a boat. Idea. So I have all of these new garments out of their bags, laid out, ready to put like away in drawers. But I'm like, I can't do it till I have a full set. So when you order from the church, do you have like a shipping status and a tracking number? <laughs> no. They do send you emails like when it is shipped. I've never ordered mine online. I've but never it sounds ordered like mine I'm online have to. either. So anyway, and I'm still short a couple tops for my husband. Uh-huh. So I have to get on and get a couple more tops for him. But I'm half tempted to just go back to Desert Book and see if they have my bottoms because they had tons of my bottoms when I was there the first time. And then when the bottoms... If they ever come in, I could just go, well, I'll save those for next time I want to change out garments. You're going to have to drive to Utah. I'm telling you, this is just a real world I wonder problem. if it's any better. It's probably worse in Utah. I was very tempted to write President mm-hmm. Nelson a letter and say, dude, <laughs> I'm happy to wear your underwear. However, there are a few things here that aren't working for me. <laughs> so oh, can you do something goodness. about that? <laughs> All right, folks, you heard it here. There so apparently is a run on garments. There is, there is a garment please, shortage. Please don't go out and stockpile. I think you are on the verge of stockpiling with 14, Missy. <laughs> you better give it up. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm either gonna have to I'm gonna have to be medicated to do that <laughs> because things have to line up and I don't want to do laundry more than one day a week. Well, you know me, I'll just save mine forever because I do not like the process of disposing of them. By the way, are you disposing of yours? Oh yes. I, do you have a fire? Yes. How do you do this? Okay. Yes. Well, we, next time you have a fire, tell me and I'll send mine your okay, way. Perfect. No, we have a fire pit in the back of the house. And so when we get the pile, I give them to my husband and I say, because he's a pyromaniac, I'm like, go take care of this. And he goes and he takes care of it. Okay. Well, I'm sending mine to you. I've had this discussion on here before. It just is like, okay. it's too much. Send me the bag. It's too difficult for me home. to do. It shouldn't be that difficult. It's too difficult. So I hold on to mine forever. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, 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 I'm getting kind of desperate at this point in time with my bottoms. Like it's not like it's not getting good. I may have to break some rules. I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see how long I can hold out until I get some bottoms. But I am going to try and hit the desert book and see if I can get at least. So I have 10. Okay. 10 is what I had. So. All right. Well, okay. There you go. Should we do some news stories now that I'm off of my soapbox yes. about the garment shortage? Yes, we should. Okay. Okay. We have several like little brief things we're going to hit on that came up in the news okay. this week. Uh, first one is Jeff just talked about this temple last week when he podcasted. Mm -hmm. And shortly after he podcasted, they announced that Rio de Janeiro, Brazil temple has an open house and dedication date now Ooh. coming right up around the corner. So, so if you're a temple voyeur and you want to go to open houses, book yourself a little ticket to Rio. <laughs> that would be a fun place. Um, okay. And then, Oh, also, the church released within the last week, they have done updates to the Gospel Library app. Oh. Um, now, I have not downloaded the updates, but I saw on your phone tonight, yeah. you had downloaded the updates, and there were some cool features. I like them. I mean, it's nothing like earth yeah. shattering, but it's good. They have like a um, quote of the day mm -hmm. and a scripture of a day that is like, come follow me related, that's like right on the main page. So yeah. that's kind of nice. But what I really love is right on the main page, you have your icon for the library. And then right underneath it, you have a separate icon for Come Follow Me and a separate icon for General Conference. Oh, that is very nice. So you no longer have to go into the library and into, hunt, hunt through several for clicks, General Conference clicks, clicks. and hunt for Come Follow Me. It's just ah, right on the main. Very nice. Right on the main page. So I like that. Well, and I think you said your only beef was you wished that they had included the hymn book yes. as a link. I thought if they could put that hymn book on the main page, that would also be very helpful because, you know, you're in church fiddling through your phone trying to find those hymns. Exactly. Um, but it's good. And the, okay. hymn, the hymns are pretty easy to find, right, And once you click on the library. Yes. So I like it. Updates are good. Okay. Um, also in the news, um, church missionaries were moved out of Ethiopia this past week Ooh. due to the country's civil unrest. Ooh. So that's never a great yeah. scenario. It says there were 60 missionaries, including the mission leaders and the mission president. Um, President and Sister Dudfield. They are temporarily being housed in Kenya, close by. Mm. And it did say there were 10 full-time missionaries that were from Ethiopia and that they made individual decisions for each missionary based on the needs of hmm. them and their families. So Interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I'm sure some of those local ones maybe just got released. Yeah. To probably. go home and try to be with their families yeah. and be safe. Um, so that was interesting. 
also released this week, the church released a list of the live church-wide broadcasts that will be coming up in oh, 2022. Okay. Some, so you can mark those, get those on your yes, calendar. Some things of note. There are two that are kind of new this year that they've never done before. One is in June, they will have a worldwide devotional on sharing the gospel. Okay. And then in August, they will have a worldwide event for parents. Oh, Interesting. Maybe some parenting advice. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. I'll take everything I can get. Fair enough. Um, and then this was exciting to me. Remember the friend to friend yes. event they did last? For the primary kids. I think they did it last February and I just raved about it on yes. here. I loved it so much. Well, it must have been wildly popular because they are doing three next oh, year. Oh, wow. Three friend to friend broadcasts. So I'm excited for those. That Very was cool. You know, after the first one, I was hoping that would be something they would do yeah. again. Well, we're getting it three times again. Okay. All right. In another shout out of just really quick news, um, many temples have cafeterias. Now, none of our temples here in in the Boise area have cafeterias. The Boise Temple did when it was originally built, but then when they went through remodel number one, they got rid of the cafeteria. Anyway, the church closed down these cafeterias during... COVID. And some of them may have come back online, but the church made a decision this week that it is going to permanently close all cafeterias inside of temples. Have you ever eaten at a cafeteria in a temple? Um, Not since I was younger. When the Boise one had one and Uh we went, we used to do baptisms, we would eat there sometimes. But when we lived in Portland, the Portland temple had a fully functioning cafeteria. In fact, our steak had a regular assignment to have people go and work in the kitchen. And I did it once and I dropped a big pan on my toe and they had to file an incident report. (laughs) because And you were not invited back. I was limping out of the temple. It was fine. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Well, I have never eaten in a cafeteria. Here's my experience with the cafeteria in the Boise Mm -hmm. temple. When um, Rick and I, my first husband and Mm -hmm. I got married, we got married. And then of course, you know, everybody is waiting for pictures. Well, we were pretty fast in changing and getting Mm -hmm. out there. And so then we're out there to take pictures and where's Rick's dad. Oh, he decided to go have a bite to eat in the cafeteria. What? So we had to wait for Are him. Are you kidding me? Oh, I am not kidding you. <laughs> I, I can't believe you don't remember. Story. I was like, where is he? Get him out here. I want to take pictures. Ooh, he's, he's messing must... up my timeline. Did he just really love that cafeteria food? I, I, I okay. Guess... The Las Vegas cafeteria. When I was in college, uh-huh. I had a roommate who was from Henderson, Nevada, uh-huh. Las Vegas area. The Las Vegas temple there was famous for their roles in their temple cafeteria. And when she would go home and visit her family, she would bring back temple rolls for us. Okay, so what did you think of the temple rolls? They were delicious. It was like Texas Roadhouse style, just a good dinner roll. Yeah, they were delicious. So maybe it's a thing. Maybe they maybe they had temple rolls. Maybe that's what your father-in-law wanted. <laughs> well, seriously, I have no idea. But I was just like, really? You pick now to go eat in the cafeteria? We're taking pictures. <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway. All right. Well, now let's move on to, oh, I've got a couple of BYU um, news stories. So the first one that we're going to talk about, this was in the BYU Alumni Magazine, and it was called The Center of It All. And it talked about the Marriott Center. I did not realize this. Mm-hmm. The Marriott Center is 50 years old. 
it went online, so to speak, although mm-hmm. online wasn't a term then, but it opened its doors in 1971. And that just is like mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And when it opened its doors, it was, um, it had more seating capacity than Madison Square Garden, the Hunt, Utah's Huntsman Center, or any other basketball arena, collegiate prof- or professional in the country. Really? I know. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. So even today, it is the 10th largest collegiate arena. Arena. And it just, the article goes through and talks about, you know, that yes, it was designed, you know, for sports and concerts, but mm-hmm. they've done a lot more, you know, they've done a lot of other things with it. And that um, the first major religious event, now this mm-hmm. is really interesting, that took place in the Marriott Center is there were two broadcast sessions of the Provo Temple dedication, which drew 40,000 mm-hmm. people. So, you know, We've been to like the Nauvoo one where they like turn your stake center into like right. a mini temple. Mm-hmm. Well, I had no idea they were doing this in 1972 yeah. when they dedicated that the Provo Temple. That was way before they did like remote I things like know. that. I know. I know. So um, anyway, that was that was really cool. And then they talk about some of the concerts that they've had there. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize that you don't remember the concerts that they've had there because they ended those probably in the late 80s. My When I was at BYU, oh. we were one of the last ones that got to experience- You mean like they used to do like concert concerts? Oh yeah. Here's who they've had. John Denver, the Beach Boys, Journey, Air Supply, Billy Joel. I remember when Billy Joel came. I I had no idea they did concerts there. I I mean, it makes sense. Every college basketball arena has concerts. I was a sophomore in college when Billy Joel came. Uh Uh, Barry Manilow, The Carpenters, Neil Diamond, Boston, Brad. So did you go to any while you were at school there? I did not go to any while I was at school there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Osmonds, REO Speedwagon, Elton John. Uh, Survivor, James Taylor, Kenny Loggins. I mean, every big name from the 70s, basically. And early 80s hit the concert circuit there. And I guess here's one of the reasons why I remember the Billy Joel concert. Uh You know, Billy Joel has this famous song called Only the Good Die Young. Right. And it's talking about this guy trying to like seduce this girl and say, hey, give up your values. So there was a whole editorial in the Daily Universe about... Everybody at the concert was singing this and knew all of the words to the song. And, you know, really, what are we promoting when we know all the words to this song that's encouraging the girl to be bad? And this is when the Marriott Center decided they had to nix the concerts. Huh? I think I think this might have been when the Marriott Center. Because <laughs> they Joel, were like, where do we draw the line? Billy Joel might have done them in. So. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Anyway. Okay. So, yes, that is why I remember the Billy Joel concert. So this just talking about the Marriott Center reminded me, we went to Rexburg like about a month ago. Okay. And we went to see like the Pocatello, Idaho open house. And um, my husband, Keith has cousins that live in Rexburg and one of them works at BYUI. And so he took us up to the campus on Saturday and we got to look all around and I am amazed by the campus there. I never, I didn't ever go there, but I had friends that went there when it was Rick's and the campus is just massive now. Like, Gorgeous, beautiful, so much bigger, so many fancy new buildings. So he took us into this building there. It is called the BYUI Center. And inside half of the building is like their gym okay, with a track okay. and like basketball courts and all the things connected. So it's all part of the same okay. massive building is um, – their concert hall, which he was able to like take us inside and look, mm. it is a mini um, conference center. 
Really? It, when you walk inside, it looks just like the concert. Uh, or the conference center. The conference center. center, only like one piece of the pie is missing. Like it holds oh. almost as much as the conference center. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, like a few well, thousand. they've got a big student body yeah, there. Yeah, it holds a few thousand less, but it looks just like the conference center. The stage, the way that the um, seats are, uh-huh. it. Like if you just looked up, I was like, I feel like I'm in the conference center minus a section and it's massive. And I was kind of shocked and I I thought, well, I guess. And he said that that's what they use for all their devotionals and graduation is in there. I'm guessing they probably don't have rock concerts. Right. (laughs) And the local (laughs) high school graduations are in there. So it is their version of the Marriott Center, which makes sense. They don't have a Marriott Center. Yeah. They have like an old basketball gym that has some Well, they don't have competitive basketball team anymore. But yeah, they don't have anything that big. So they needed something for... So that was just really interesting to me that it looks just like the conference center. And I was thinking, well, BYU doesn't have anything... BYU-Utah has nothing like that. Yeah. But they have a Marriott Center. Exactly. But it's a different vibe. Right? It's, a, it's a completely so, different vibe in the Marriott Center. So, so I just thought that was really interesting hmm. to see how they Okay. I'm going to have to go online and look it. at pictures of this now. You, you have me intrigued. You should. Because it's, as you know, I still am a Rexburg virgin. Never been to Rexburg. Oh, you got to go. It's a, hap- it's a happening place these days. Well, you know, I tried <laughs> over Labor Day weekend. But oh, I right. failed you miserably. Had little, you had a little road trip. We had a little road trip incident. Issue. Um, we were going to Yellowstone. So we were going to pass yeah. through Rexburg going to Yellowstone. To date, I still have not been north Well, of you should Falls. go. But don't so. go in the winter. That's what I hear. I don't know. I've never been in the winter. But I, I've heard I hear, stay yes. away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, speaking of BYU, I'm going to do a brief mention on this story simply because it was in the alumni magazine that came out. Um, it actually was a story that was released in August and I don't recall seeing it in August. Um, and it was republished in the alumni magazine. As you recall, when we went to BYU, they published a newspaper every day called the daily universe. And every time I went to campus, I always grabbed my edition of the daily universe. I loved reading it. Loved the daily universe. Well, unfortunately the daily universe has gone the way of almost newspapers. They are no longer publishing a hard copy edition on a daily basis. They have, of course, their online news, mm-hmm. so students can hop online, and they have transitioned into a monthly magazine just like the Deseret News. And so it's kind of like a mini Deseret News is what I have decided the Daily Universe is. Wait, does Deseret News not publish a daily anymore? They don't publish a daily anymore. I didn't know this. They publish a magazine. Since when? Oh, gosh. This has been a year or so now. Really? Yes. I'm trying to remember if they still publish on the huh. weekend or not. I can't remember recall. But no, they no longer publish a daily. Their news is primarily online and um, they publish a magazine that has really in-depth articles. And so, you know, I mean, with the advent of the internet and a 24 hour news cycle, it, it is kind of passe to have a, to have a newspaper. It is kind of quaint to think about reading a paper that you flip every day. No, I just remember the police beat. Oh, I know. Such fond memories of the police beat. Well, I'm guessing if you go online, the police beat's probably still there. I haven't gone online. I that. don't know because actually by the time I graduated from BYU, they had really like cracked down on the police oh. beat because everybody was trying to get in it because it was so amazing. Like, I remember this one <laughs> one thing in the police meet, like a girl's braid was cut off in the library while she fell asleep. The suspect has not been found. <laughs> like the most random 
like weird pranks. By the time I graduated from BYU, the police beat was like super watered down. Like they, they stopped putting in like any of the fun stuff and Uh, they just put in like the hard crime, which was few and far between. Yeah. So the fun stuff is why you read it. (laughs) So, all right. Okay. Next article we have is from Deseret News and it is titled The Clues Behind the Powerful Stories of Latter-day Saint Reconversion. And I really loved this article. It was really interesting to me. It was talking about people that leave the church and then come back. Oh, Um, which is unusual because all you ever hear is people leave, 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 leave. And you never hear the stories of people who leave and come back. Yes. So they... um, we're talking, there's this, it's kind of a new term that has been coined for this called reconversion. Okay. And they were just talking about how faith promoting these stories can be. And there are a couple of um, married English professors at BYU-Idaho okay. that are trying to change, um, kind of change just the way we look at it by sharing these narratives. They're collecting these narratives. Yes. They're doing a little bit of research on the data of these narratives, trying to analyze and see like, what do some of these stories have in common um, of people that come back? Their names are Eric and Sarah Hafen D'Evigny. I'm probably butchered your last name. But well, she is a daughter of Elder Bruce C. Hafen, yes. who has written a book about faith is not yeah. blind. So she's kind of got this background of, yeah. of... Well, and I think she's working on this with her parents as well. Yeah, it sounds like they're involved too. Uh-huh. Um, and so they are you know, collecting these stories of reconversion and they're looking for like patterns um, and themes and what do these, some of these stories have in common. And so just some interesting things that they noted was they said a lot of the stories start off with superlative language. Like I was a perfect missionary. I was a perfect mom. We were perfect at, you know, we did FHE Mm -hmm. every week, like just kind of um, they talk about how that's how they were before they left and they were just talking about how that kind of goes back to this, like, ideal yeah. of perfectionism and always well, trying to be perfect. And- I liked what they said where that they would use, frequently use language that showed the tellers had limited mm-hmm. their choices about how they could believe. Right. And, you know, and I thought about that because, you know, some of the people that I have known that have left were very just like, oh, I have to do this perfectly. I have mm-hmm. to do this perfectly. I have to, and when they couldn't do it perfectly, you know, not that that was their reason necessarily for giving up, but they were very right. black and white individuals. It was kind of like an all or none. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. So they did find that to be a pattern mm-hmm. amongst some people. Another pattern that they found was kind of the language that is mm-hmm. used around. Um, often people would refer to the church and they would lump everything under that title of the yeah. church. Like the church expected me to do this. The church believed this or the yeah. church like made yeah. me feel, the church made me feel this way. The church yeah. where they're kind of lumping in not just the theology, but the culture around the theology and just lumping it all under the title of, you know, the church. Yes. Um, so they found that that was a common pattern um, that they saw. Um, but then they talked about, um, just like these reconversion stories. And this was a really interesting statistic they threw out that I had not heard. 
Um, one in four Americans no longer affiliates with a church or religion, which is about 90%, mm-hmm. which we've heard. Yes. Like, yeah. That number is just doing nothing but growing as the years go on. But um, it said um, that one of, oh, no, one of four of, the Amer- of Americans that no longer affiliate with a church okay. still believe in God, yeah. at least sometimes. Yes. So there's a huge number of Americans that no longer go to church or believe in an organized religion, but, but they still, still the majority yeah. do believe in God. And consider themselves spiritual. Right. Even if they don't participate in an organized religion. Right. So I thought that was interesting. Um, it said it, almost every case, those who reconverted said something about refinding God, oh. refine, refinding yes. God. So they just talked they about- They felt like a con- that they needed yes, a connection. How important that relationship with God is yes. for people to come back. More important than the relationship you have, you know, with your elders, corn president, yeah. or the people in the church. More yeah. important is refining that relationship yeah. with God. And then they said um, that they would say it's usually not ever one thing that takes people out of the church or brings them back, but it's kind of like a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. But quite often, there's like a straw that like broke the camel's back. So sometimes it gets blamed on one thing, like, yeah. oh, I was offended by this, or, yeah. oh, I just couldn't, this doctrine really was hard for me. But he, they were just saying that from what they've seen, there's usually a lead up to that. Yeah. And that's kind of like the final thing. And same with coming back. There's usually like a lead up to coming back. And then someone will like, you know, choose to go yeah. to an activity and just feel encircled with love. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, everybody was so nice and they loved me. And, yeah. and, but that's usually not what it was that helps. Yeah. But there's a lead up to that. Yeah. So no, it's, it's a fascinating study. It is really interesting. Sure. And I love the idea of getting these stories out there because I do think they are so inspiring. Yeah. Um, they also talked in the article about how never does anyone that they've interviewed who has reconverted say that, you know, their mom's sending them an enzyme article (laughs) (laughs) did any good, which we talked about this before we have an episode we did with our other sister a few years ago who has left the church. And we talked about that exact same thing. Like when your family member leaves the church, it probably doesn't really help if you're mailing them an enzyme article once a month. Or (laughs) say, missionaries, go talk to them. Or saying, I put your name in the temple on the prayer roll, yeah. you could do it. Just maybe don't tell them. Exactly. <laughs> so, that would be my recommendation. So anyways, um, just really interesting. I love hearing stories about that. I think it's very faith promoting. I have yeah. several family members and friends I know who have left and come yeah. back. And I think they are so inspiring. Um, I just, I think that them sharing their stories is so faith promoting yeah. and inspiring because we all have times yeah. where we struggle, where right? We, yeah. we have ups and downs with our faith. And I think that people who are open and honest and share that openly just helps us all. Yeah. So I do too. No, it was a, it was a great article. So, all right. So we're going to make a really rough transition from that into reality TV. Oh yeah. Because you know, <laughs> we're big reality TV fans. 
So oh, yeah. there is a new show on NBC, which I have not watched. I guess it airs on Friday nights and it is called Home Sweet Home. And it's an unscripted reality show. The film, it's produced by this lady by the name of Anna DuVernay. And so the whole premise of this show is two families are going to swap houses for a week. Mm-hmm. Now you've heard about, you know, like the wife swap yeah, sort of a thing. sounds really similar to wife swap. Except <laughs> your, your whole entire family goes into another house okay. and that family goes into your house. So you're not there with so you're going to have less drama than You're going to have less drama than wife swap. And so each family leaves a list and says, this is what our family does. Mm-hmm. These are our activities. These are our friends, you know, et cetera. So they had an episode that aired, um, last Friday night, I believe. And it involved a family that are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints swapping houses with a Jewish family. So the Jewish family came and played with all the Mormons for a week. (laughs) The Mormons went and played with all the Jews for a week. I love this. It sounds like great fun. I know. So now (laughs) I'm like, okay, I have the Peacock app. I'm like, I'm going to have to go watch this on the Peacock Uh app. Anyway, so the the LDS family was the Baltazars, and they have um, they have the dad. He's a real estate broker. His wife is a swim instructor, and they have four children. And they live in Orange County, California. And they swapped uh, houses with the um, the where the Silversteins, who lived in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, you know, this article just inter- er, interviews the Baltazars. And the Baltazars say, you know, they cheerfully experienced Jewish faith traditions and did photography and art and beatboxing and improv. I mean, those aren't necessarily Jewish related, but that's what that family does. And um, their dad said it was a wonderful concept. It really helped him and his family to step outside their comfort zone, helped his children to expand their worldview and Mm -hmm. see things that other people do. What was really interesting is the producer of this show, this Ava DuVernay. So she cast this LDS family and she has really some preconceived notions about the church. And um, she thinks that um, uh, she thinks she considered not doing the episode because she's like, oh, members of the church, they hate black people. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what she thinks. And then she sees this family and she sees how curious and open-minded they are. And she realizes, wow, there are a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it really helped her to kind of change her viewpoint, mm-hmm. seeing how the Baltazars were. So that just seemed kind of fun to that me. That is so. cool. Okay. I want to know what the Silversteins did in the LDS house all week. Did they have to go I clean know. the church? Did they I have know. to set up, did they have to schlep chairs around and set up chairs? I'm sure they did. Did they go to mutual? It doesn't really Did their say. kids go to early morning seminary? Oh, that's a good one. That is a really good one. We're going to have to go watch. I am so going to have to go watch this because I'm completely fascinated now. And what did they think? Because again, yeah. in our religion, we're not just show up on Sunday. It is like, it is all in every day of the week. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a lifestyle. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Also, we have an article about a gentleman by the name of Jonah Hoskins and he is 24 years old. 
He is a returned missionary. He served his mission in New York City, in Chinatown in New York City. And he is a rising opera star. In fact, he won this huge contest last year. Um, and he got, as a result of winning this contest last year, uh, he went to the National Council Auditions, a competition in New York's, at New York City's Metropolitan Opera House. And um, he did really well in that competition. He got an offer from the Met to join their artist development program. And he was actually at that time auditioning for Juilliard. And so when he gets this offer from the Met, he's like, peace out, BYU. I'm going to NYC. And he mm-hmm. halts his Juilliard audition, audition and accepts this Met offer. Well, then he gets an even better deal. He gets asked to compete in this competition, which was held in Russia, and it is called Operalia. And I guess if you're in the opera realm, it is like a huge, huge deal. And you win Operalia, and it like puts you, well, just even competing in it puts you like on the map for opera people. So he was competing in this. Um, He says he didn't get to see much of Russia because he was too busy competing. He did tie for second place and he walked away with $20,000. And now he's headed back to New York to uh, be in the, continue to be in the Met and continue to train. So folks watch out for Jonah because I think he's going to be a big deal. That's really cool. Very cool. My printer's making noises. Yeah. Your printer wants to play. (laughs) Okay, um, next story we have the long-awaited return of Music in the Spoken Words live broadcast. So, 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 so exciting. Yes. We talk about this like every month. I know we're obsessed. Oh, it really, your printer's, yeah, sorry about that. It's our printer. (laughs) It's got some printer noise back there. Um, So they returned to their live broadcast the second to last Sunday in October. And which is funny because we had it on TV, I think two weeks ago, I think it was on Halloween, we had it on in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to figure out if because I hadn't read this article yet, I didn't realize that they were back. And uh-huh. we were trying to figure out if it was live or not. Because they had the full choir. They brought back they the did. full they choir. They brought back the full choir we, for the broadcast. But it didn't say previously recorded like it usually does. Yeah. So we were like, is it live? But we were like, no, it can't be. They have the full choir. Yeah. But this article says, yes, they brought back the full choir and the orchestra for the music and spoken word. They have and nobody. The bells. They brought the, the bells. bells just in time for Christmas. They have no one in the audience. Yes. All they have is the choir and the essential you know, personnel to run the broadcast. And they are um, doing extensive COVID testing. Yes. They had a picture oh of, of, of uh, Newell. Lloyd Newell. Lloyd Newell, the, the announcer. Picture. I about died. He, he had a cotton swab going up his nose. He was getting his COVID test. If you do anything with this, go look at the picture with this article because <laughs> it is so clearly staged. It's Lloyd Newell with a physician, like in his full-blown uh-huh. like COVID garb, cotton swabbing his nose inside the tabernacle or the, the conference, conference center. center. You can see the stage behind him. So yes. it's very clearly inside the yeah. conference center. I was like... Are they really doing their weekly tests just right there in the, I, in the pews I of the conference did, yeah, center? I think this is like a very staged photo, but it was fun. I, I agree. <laughs> and then they quoted in the article the um, physician for the choir, the choir's personal physician. I was like, oh, the choir has a physician now, now? here's the question. Did the choir have a personal or have a choir physician 
pre-COVID? That's what I was wondering. Or is this a new development? I'm going to guess this is new. I'm guessing it too, because I can't really see a demand for a full-time physician mm-hmm. prior to COVID. Anyway, we're happy about it. We'll take it. So now they're full-blown back in. Every Sunday. Back in business, live every Sunday morning. Yep. 9.30 Mountain Time. Yes. Oh, and it also said in the article that as soon as their live performance is done, Mm -hmm. they immediately slap it up on their YouTube channel. Yeah. So if you miss the live performance, you can just hop on the YouTube channel and catch it. So that's very cool. And I'm sure that that means we will have some lovely choir performances at the Christmas devotional. Very true. Which is also not open to the public this year. Um, yes. But I'm assuming the choir and the orchestra will be full yes. in for that. So that I nice. would agree. So we can all cross our fingers that maybe a year from now mm-hmm. we'll all be fighting over tickets. That's right. To the uh uh, tabernacle That's choir. Right. Usually by now you have put your name in the lottery yes. and either acquired or not acquired your tickets. Exactly. <laughs> Usually not acquired. Usually not acquired. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Our next article uh, talks about a collection of rare and historic uh, Latter-day Saint items that are valued at $3.2 million that's for sale. So there is this gentleman. He was an orthodontist down in um, Bountiful and his name is, check this out, George Ralph Bailey. <gasps> George Bailey? George Bailey. How did I miss that? I, I don't know. But you know what? He must have seen the movie because he didn't go by George Bailey. He went by Ralph Bailey. Oh, he should embrace it. He should totally go by George Bailey. You know, I wonder if it's a generation thing. Because, you know, our dad's first name was George. And he never went by George. He went by his middle name. I know a lot of Georges who don't go by George. They go by whatever their middle What's name wrong is. What's George? I like I George. Don't know what, I don't know what is wrong with George. I don't know why. Other than I think that um, at, it was probably our grandmother who decided that she was going to call our dad by his middle name. Anyway, he'd have made a great general authority because he would have had the G. Noel Hales. He has the the letter in front. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Let's go back to Mr. Bailey and his collection. So um, he collected, he amassed this private collection of more than 4,000 items. They have valued it at $3.2 million. Uh, The gentleman who valued it said this is one of the most valuable and expansive LDS collections in private hands today. He says, in my 40 years of appraising LDS works, I have never never come across anything quite like it. With more than 4,000 items, this collection provides a unique lens into a transformational time for the religion, which helps piece together significant moments within U.S. history. So um, the gentleman, Mr. Bailey's children, said that he was just an avid collector, that anywhere, anytime they went on a trip that was like remotely close to Mm -hmm. anything church related um, in these small towns, he would go into old bookstores or pawn shops and he just delighted in this. Mm -hmm. And his favorite thing to do was to come home, get comfortable in his black leather rocking chair and read all things church history. So the family would like to keep this collection together, but that presents some difficulties because most collectors are looking for specific items and don't Mm. want a whole collection. And so it it may make more sense to parse it out, but they have um, first edition of the Book of Mormon, lots of Brigham, actually several first editions of the Book of Mormon, lots of Brigham Young letters uh, that were written. And uh, anyway, and so they're they're just hoping that somebody else that is as passionate as Mr. Bailey or Brother Bailey was will will want to acquire 
acquire this collection. So we'll have to have to kind of see what happens. This is so with that. interesting to me. I never even realized that this was a thing. There, there's this whole market for yes these collectibles until we watched that crazy oh, documentary yeah. about the guy with the bomb and exactly the um, what was that called? Oh. I can't remember. I can't remember either. I'm having the biggest brain fart. But yeah. But I didn't realize this was a thing. There's this whole like. There's this whole underworld and underbelly of yeah. LDS collectibles. It's really. But see now after me. having watched that movie, mm -hmm. I look at his stuff and I'm like, well, how do we know that's not. How do we. How do we know that's not a forgery right. after watching the Mark Hoffman right. thing? That's right. So it, it just makes me question. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hoffman now makes me question. I don't know. It's I, an interesting I'm, hobby. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everything of his is authentic. <laughs> it's I'm, a, yeah. But. It's a very unique hobby. Yes. Um, okay. And the next article we have is on Latter-day Saint YouTuber rallies the internet to purge trash from the ocean. Ooh. This is about Mark Rober, um, okay. who's a very famous YouTuber with like millions of subscribers. Uh, you will probably remember him. He was like the glitter bomber. On a few years ago, he was he would like rig up the Amazon packages yeah. to catch the the, the thief. porch pirates that yes. would steal the package and the glitter would bomb. And, and he had a camera attached yeah. to it somehow so you could see the bomber yeah. and he could track the package and know where the package yes. was going. So he has this YouTube channel where he does all kinds of clever things. Okay. Lots and of doesn't it, he have like millions of followers? Oh, millions, like over 20 million. He is wild, to monetize. wildly famous, wildly wow. famous. And he does, he's constantly doing videos, science and stuff. My, okay. my kids love him. Um, so he has also just done a whole lot of good in the world with his fame. He's been um, raising autism awareness. I think he came out, uh, we didn't, we talked about him a while ago. There was mm -hmm. an article, um, his son, I think has autism. Oh, okay. Or, son or daughter. One of his kids has autism. And so he's really been advocating for that. Mm -hmm. Um over the past couple of years, uh, I guess last year he did a project that planted over 2 million trees. Oh. So this year, his newest goal is he would like to clean up 30 million pounds of trash from the ocean. Wow. And he's calling the project Team Seas. Okay. And he is like uh, collaborating with a bunch of other YouTubers and famous people and also the Ocean Conservatory mm -hmm. and the Ocean Cleanup um, for every dollar that is donated the nonprofits will remove one pound of trash from the ocean. Oh. So far they have removed 12 million pounds of trash. And he okay. just started this campaign like the end of October. It's oh, only wow. been a, like a week. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? He just has, he's got such a following. Okay. He's got power. He's like Oprah of YouTube. Oh. <laughs> the, the male LDS Oprah. The LDS male oh. science geeky Oprah. Oprah of YouTube. Dang. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, also he puts, says. He puts some of those mommy bloggers to shame know, with those followers. I know. He really does. He like, it's amazing that the good that he can do and the following that he has. Yeah. Um, it says he also got our favorite Olympian, Michaela Skinner. Oh, is to she? To join forces. She, um, she is, is also. Is she team trash cleanup? She's, I am team C's. Um, and so she's been like promoting it on her, oh. you know, social stuff. Okay. So the goal is to get to $30 million, which would be 30 million pounds of trash removed from the ocean. Dang, that's awesome. So I think it's really cool. I love it when people use their fame for good. So, okay. Well, I think there that go. finishes it up for news stories. Yes. So we will move on to 
Mormons behaving badly. <laughs> now, I have I have two things. Tiffany's been waiting for oh, this one. Oh, I've been one. waiting for this one. For a couple weeks now. Well, but I'm not going to start with the one that I've been waiting for. Okay. I'm going to give a brief Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow update. Oh, do we have an update on oh, them? Oh, yes. We have an update on them. We have two updates. Oh, I didn't know that. Word on the street, and I've been looking for confirmation on mm-hmm. this, but I saw kind of a rogue article on it the other day that Chad Daybell's been excommunicated. Although the paperwork didn't exactly get to him till about a month after it happened. Okay, well. So probably deservedly so. Seems appropriate. (laughs) Second, allegedly, so as we know, Lori's in the psych hospital because she's cuckoo for coconuts. And, or at least, I I can't decide if she's crazy or crazy like a fox. There's a part of me that thinks she's crazy like a fox. Could be. So allegedly, one of the psych techs in the hospital said, well, you should get rid of your lawyer and you should have the LDS church defend you. Oh, I did read this. Yes. I did read this article. And so supposedly yes. the psych tech said- I forgot about this. Curtin McConkie is the one that defends them. <laughs> Here's Curtin McConkie's cell phone number. Why don't you give him a jingle? So she calls up Curtin <sighs> McConkie. Again, this is the story that we're hearing. And, you know, she calls on the phone. Hey, this is Lori. Can I talk to someone? I need I need new counsel. So the McConkie, or at least one of the McConkies of the Curtin McConkie law fame- I can't remember what, if it was David or who it was. Anyway, A. McConkie gets on the phone with her. Like, I can't even imagine, sir, Lori Vallow's on the phone wanting to talk to somebody. I mean, that's like, if you're in a law firm, that's like, uh, hold the phones. Let's let's see what this is all about. Right. So she gets on and she's like, um, yeah, I'm going to need the church to defend me. And he's like, well, I really can't do that. So thanks. Bye. And hangs up. Not how it works. That's not how it works. (laughs) So then he promptly contacts the prosecutor and says, yo, Lori Vallow's calling me. And the prosecutor, of course, discloses this to Lori's attorney because the prosecutor has to do that. So now Lori's attorney wants to flip this and blame this all on the church and all on the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And so now Lori's attorney- Saying that they're like in cahoots, Yeah, right? exactly. That he was saying that like McConkie's going to pass information to the prosecutor. Exactly. And they're yeah. interfering with my attorney-client relationship. Mm-hmm. Now the- the her attorney is asking that the prosecutor and anybody else who has membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints be removed from the case. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's not going to happen. <laughs> there is really no... Not in Eastern Idaho. Not in Eastern Idaho. If you what, committed your crime in Western Idaho, possibly. <laughs> well, what's really funny is I, I am pretty sure the judge on this case is LDS. The one uh, here in Ada County? Well, no, the Eastern Idaho oh, the judge Eastern is Idaho. Ada, Ada County. Oh, because Chad got moved here, but she didn't. Yet. Yes, but the okay. Eastern Idaho judge is coming to Boise. He's keeping the oh, case. He's I, not pawning it oh, off on one of his compadres. I thought that here. our judge was getting no, it. No, 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 he's keeping it. So anyway, that's your that's your Chad and Lori Bellow update. Um, or Daybell. Okay, now. Now for the one that I have just been jonesing for. So... Jeff mentioned her name briefly in last week's episode. Right. Kristen Cinema. She is a senator from Arizona. She was raised LDS. We definitely know she is no longer active. Uh, we don't know what her status is in terms of her membership. But as we know on Mormons behaving badly, you don't necessarily have to be Mormon. You just can be Mormon adjacent and qualify. <laughs> So she was left in charge of the Senate a few weeks ago, as in, you know, sitting in the big chair in the front, you know, where the TV cameras are on you. This is kind of a big deal. 
Mm -hmm. So, well, let me just tell you how she showed up that day for her prestigious job being in charge of the Senate. She is wearing a black t-shirt dress. And the end of this black t-shirt dress has these little overlays and it has fringe on it. There's fringe. There's fringe. It's short. It's short. Like, and, and tight. It's, and tight. It's kind of like a, I don't know. And she's wearing Something it, you'd wear to a nightclub maybe. <laughs> she's wearing it with tennis shoes, black tennis shoes that have big bows on them, no socks. And then she has this denim vest that is kind of cropped, kind of hits just kind of below the bust line and a big pink purse. She looks like she's ready to go to the mall or to a girlfriend's house to get the nails done, not to go preside over the Senate. And she has caught a lot of flack. Apparently, she has quite a colorful wardrobe. And I can I can appreciate a colorful wardrobe, but I would also like anytime I'm going to court, oh, I've got the whole section of my closet that are, these are my going to court clothes. Yes. These are not the clothes I wear to the office. These are the clothes that I'm going to go, that I'm going to wear when I'm going to see the person wearing the black robe. Yes. And it was just so wildly inappropriate. Plus the Senate has a dress code, no denim on the floor. Oh, they do. They do. That's official, huh? That is official. I mean, one would assume people would know that. But exactly. I didn't realize it was like an official exactly. in writing. Exactly. So there was a hilarious tweet going around that says, Kristen Cinema, first senator to be bribed in Cole's cash. <laughs> So funny because seriously, so she is my nominee this month for Mormons behaving badly because come on, Kristen, you can do better than that yeah. in terms of outfit choices. Yeah. It's so funny. And you know, we were talking about it before and we're like, well, in the article, there's an article read, we'll link. It's a New York, New York post article. New York post article. You know, it was talking about, you know, women are like highly, highly scrutinized for what they wear all the time. Yeah. But also we were talking like if, you know, Mitt Romney walks in in a pair of jeans or khakis and a polo shirt to lead the Senate, I'd be going, he's also going to get criticized. Oh, he would be my nominee for Mormons behaving badly. That is not what you wear to preside over the Senate. Come on, people have a little respect. Oh, it did make for some very entertaining tweets. Though. It did. It did. All right, now that I will get off my soapbox on Kristen Sinema's fashion choices. Okay. At least in terms of leading the U.S. Senate. <laughs> like what she wears to work every day, she wears some outlandish stuff. Again, I can respect. I'm not going to criticize that. I'm just going to criticize what you wear to lead the Senate. <laughs> okay, should we move on to favorite things? Yes, let's move on to favorite things. Okay, my favorite thing this month is a book that I read. It probably took me six months to read it just because reading books is hard these days. Yes. I have small children. There's no time. But I finally finished it like probably a couple months ago and I have not talked about it, but it's not a new book. It's an old book. Probably lots of people have already read it, but I just read it over the past six months and like loved it. I thought it was totally fascinating. Destiny of the Republic oh. by Candace Millward. And it is a it is all about President Garfield and oh. the assassination of President oh. Garfield. And you know, it gives you the history Ooh. of him as a I person. I need to get that for Mark for Christmas. My Ooh. son would love that. You can borrow it. I have it. In fact, you can have it. I'll just pass it on to you. It, oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, so this is a library book. Like you bought no, it. No, I bought this one. Oh, yeah. I totally want so, that. Mark would love that. It was just so fascinating. Um, I didn't really know a lot about mm -hmm. this. You know, we know we hear a lot about 
Kennedy's yeah. assassination. We don't hear a lot about this. It was so interesting to me. And they talked a lot about, you know, the medicine back in, this was like in 1881. Yeah. Like he totally could have survived. Yeah. If it were not for like all of the snafus and, oh, and mistakes that his doctors made. Also, it was just so interesting to hear how the presidency worked back then. Oh. Like, of course he got assassinated. Like anybody could go talk to the yeah. president back then. It's just crazy. <laughs> so, like I can't even imagine. Anyway, and it was just really interesting. And it was also interesting to just see like – the history of it and how the country responded and how the country pulled hmm. together and and figured out like who was going to lead after that yeah. you know it's always a scary thing yeah. when hmm. so anyway it was such a good book very good book okay so my favorite things i'm doing things cuz i'm doing two ooh and they are items that you can purchase at costco my two ooh. favorite costco ooh, finds ooh i like a costco find one is a seasonal costco find and one is kind of a permanent costco find okay so i'm going to talk about the seasonal one first they have this product right now they first got it in last year and one of our twin super fans holly kasos who I did a guest, she guest oh, podcasted yeah. with me. She is the one who told me about these. And then when I went to find them last year, they were gone and I never got them. And she, she brought one to my house Ugh, oh. and they are divine, but they're in stock right now. And I'm wondering if they were such a hit last year, they'll do a better job of keeping them in stock. They are a Haagen-Dazs cookie square peppermint bark. Oh, So it is like a dark cookie, kind of like an Oreo okay. that has peppermint ice cream on top of it. It is coated in milk chocolate. Oh, that sounds really good. It is a divine. 300 calories a whack. So, you okay. know, if you're going to have one, save your calories for the day. So my second Costco find that I like <gasps> is these chicken nuggets. I love these. These, the, all of the Instagrammers are raving uh -huh. about these. They're called, the brand is Just Bear. It is a lightly breaded uh, chicken breast chunks. And I'm here to tell you folks, you fry these up in your air fryer and they are a dead ringer for Chick-fil-A chicken yes. nuggets. They are so delicious. They are so divine. I've eaten them with Chick-fil-A sauce. I've chopped them up and put them on a salad. I like to do fish tacos, chicken tacos fish style. So I'll cook them in my air fryer and then I'll put coleslaw on them and pretend yes. they're fish tacos, we've, even though we've used them for tacos before. Yeah. They're and delicious. They are just, they are so good. Mm -hmm. And so I highly recommend that you go get yourself some chicken chunks. And if you don't have a Costco membership, bribe someone you know that does yes. to buy you a bag. They're, they're a little pricey. They're $15 for this bag. But let me tell you, they're so worth it. And especially if you have a Chick-fil-A addiction. Yeah. You, it's you're cheaper, getting, cheaper than going to Chick-fil-A. cheaper than going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and if you air fry them, then theoretically it would be a lot healthier than a fried one that they have at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So those are my favorite things this month. So you better go soon because yes. Costco is famous for not having it. At least the peppermint <laughs> squares. I think we're probably safe on the chicken. Now, I don't know. That chicken's hit and miss for me. Really? Some, sometimes when I go, they have it. Sometimes oh, they do every time I've gone, they've had it. Oh, interesting. interesting. So, All okay. right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Twim Nation, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email at thisweekinmormons.com. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. And if you really want to show the love, become a Patreon supporter, three bucks a month to keep our lights on. All right. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.